0: This is Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind with me, psychologist Professor Richard Wiseman.
1: And me, science journalist Marnie Chesterton. And this latest episode is coming from Edinburgh in the middle of the hustle and bustle of the world's largest arts festival.
0: Which we're going to completely ignore. Instead, we're going to go inside and chat to some of our favourite people.
1: You can still expect fascinating facts, scintillating science and advice to improve your life.
0: So let's move away from the festival, indoors, have a chat with some folks. Brilliant. Lead on. So next episode, we're back to our regular format. But today we've got Pippa Evans coming in to chat with us.
1: I've never seen her show.
0: It's called Showstopper. And it's amazing. I saw a few years ago, it's a sort of regular at the Edinburgh Fringe, always sells out. So they've got
1: their loyal audiences. Oh, got a
0: very large and loyal audience. What what do they do? Um, They come on, there's about six or seven of them. And it's not only improv, I've been to lots of improv comedy things, and that's hard enough. But what they do is improv a West End musical. So they ask for themes, they ask for styles, and away they go.
1: That sounds absolutely terrifying on several levels.
0: I think if you're a performer, if you're an audience member, it's not quite so stressful. Uh, but uh, yes, if you're a performer, I can't imagine what's that like to walk out. Have you ever done any improv? No. I've done a little bit.
1: I've and done. did you enjoy it?
0: Um, I think I enjoyed it more than the audience.
1: <laughs> okay. that's. I think that's a good thing. That's that's
0: that, that's where that's we should probably, be heading. Yeah,
1: that maybe. I don't know. I think the, the thing is with Im- improv is... It's usually improv plus some sort of being entertaining. So you've got... you. Yeah, that's wearing- the bit I was missing. I was <laughs> just doing the improv.
0: I was just standing there improving And well, to be honest, there was no one in the audience. Did so it didn't they really matter. specifically
1: tell you to be entertaining? Because if they didn't, then...
0: No, everyone else had got a script and was sticking to it very tightly. <laughs> okay. And I thought, look, we're going to do Hamlet, we're doing it my way. <laughs> it's uh, going
1: to set in Belgium.
0: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, no, you do a little bit of it because the magic's a bit improv because you never know what's quite going to happen. Uh, but again, it's it's pretty formulaic, you know where the yeah. edges are. So what's interesting, I think, about genuine improv is they go all over the place very quickly. I can't think that quickly, quite frankly. Um so it's gonna be exciting. And Pippa has written a book, uh, which is Improv Your Life, which is the way in which improv skills can be used in everyday life. It's perfect for us.
1: I suppose because Life is just a big improv class where no one claps at the end.
0: That's the idea, isn't it? Is you don't walk into a room and think, "Okay, here's the script. I'm going to go through this conversation." We are winging it all the time.
1: He reads it's, off his script.
0: It, it says here. Yeah. Uh, so it will be interesting, but but of course the improv folks have developed all sorts of games and skills, and I think we're going to be exploring how you can use those in your everyday life.
1: Brill. Let's do this.
0: I'm very excited because we have Pippa Evans with us.
1: Hello, Pippa.
2: Hi. Hello. Hi.
0: So, Pippa, I've never met a professional improviser before. A professional improviser. Lots of amateur ones, but not a professional one.
2: Well, I'm honoured to be the first of, I hope, many.
0: (laughs) And and what what do you, tell us what you do, because it's different to acting and different to singing and dancing.
2: Well, I suppose it's using improvisation to take the skills of all those things you just listed and put them into a show. So uh, so the show I do the most is called Showstopper, the improvised musical, where we literally create a musical from an audience suggestion of a setting and we do a West End style musical. So our aim is that it is as good as anything in the West End and we have a sort of personal thought, which is that we are a group of clowns who really believe that they could do that. So it's always sort of aiming really high for something that's absolutely impossible. You've got to put in the choreography and the harmonies and the music. And um, obviously none of that's on any one individual. So it's a, you know, it's a group effort. It's ultimate co-creation. But we'll have a band of like three or four musicians also improvising. And then the six or seven actors on the stage also improvising. The lighting and the sound guys are improvising. So everybody is having to be super present in the moment to really respond to the suggestions from the audience and the offers, we call them, from each other to try and create a coherent piece of musical theatre.
0: The audiences, I assume, are fairly predictable. What's the most frequent theme or sort of ideas that come up?
1: Um, are you saying, Richard, that you can cheat?
0: No, not cheating. I just know what it's like when you ask a group of people something. Often they think they're being random by like going, oh, I want a squirrel like Les Miserables. But I'm assuming that a squirrel-based Les Miserables comes up quite a lot.
2: Um so we've never had a squirrel-based Les Mis. Settings that come up quite frequently are things like Ikea or um, okay. Croydon. You know, these kind of audiences sometimes say, I want to see you make something special out of something really mundane and boring. And we try, and we do, we we make it as beautiful as possible.
1: How many Ikea musicals have you done? It sounds like they're coming up a lot. I don't know, maybe like maybe
2: like a dozen. Nice, yeah. okay. But we've done 1,300 almost in total. So actually out of that, it's not... It's not huge. What's that? 1%? Is that? We used to do a kid show. We sometimes do a kid show. And the suggestions from the children are always amazing because they have not yet found that cynical sense of, oh, these people think they can make up a musical, do they? Well, let's see what they do with inside a pickle jar. You know, um so it's, that's something that's tricky.
0: Did they then <laughs> say involving squirrels?
2: No, they never brought up the squirrels, which is, you need to do some workshops about squirrel usage.
0: I think I should. So the book, uh, which is fantastic, is all about using improv in everyday life. Mm. So, can we talk about a few of the improv techniques and how they are useful in everyday life?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Is the theory that we do all improvise all the time
2: anyway? Yeah, all all of life is improvised. Yeah, because we just don't know what's going to happen.
0: Are some people more comfortable with that than others? I yeah, mean, of I, course, I, I, yeah, because
2: because some people. We want to control everything. So I talk about it in my book, how at the beginning, when I'm sort of breaking down on a train, because I just, I just was overwhelmed with all this stuff that was happening to me, the way my life was going, and I just felt like I had no control over it. And actually, the minute I released that wish to sort of be doing what I thought I would be doing, suddenly this huge weight came off my shoulder. Um, and this often happens. So when you're improvising a scene... You're just two people, right? Two people trying to make up a scene. It can be extraordinarily hard if you've come onto the stage with an idea of what you thought you were going to do. And then the other person makes an offer and it does not tally with mm. what you thought was going to happen. And you have to immediately shift. It might not have to be a huge shift. Like you come on, and you think you're a, you're going to be the King of England. And the person says six apples, please. Madam Greengrocer, uh, I've got to change change where I thought I was going to be. Um, so you've got to fold your idea. But so often what happens is the person who comes in with this idea and someone else's idea clashes, sticks with, that's, I am the is, king of England. I am the king of England. This is what is going to happen. Uh, and so is unable to do any kind of shift because you're staying with what you thought would be rather than what is. And so that is such a huge concept to get your head around, actually. And that's what I was doing when I talk at the beginning of the book of, I wasn't. I wasn't doing what I thought I'd be doing. I wasn't feeling how mm. I thought I'd be feeling, and it's all because I couldn't. I wasn't accepting where I was, and I was holding on to where I thought I would be. And as soon as I sort of realised I needed to be where I was, not where I thought it would be, it just really opened up so much.
0: Which is quite a profound point, right? I mean, it's not the same. I, I've spoken about this on podcasts previously. That I often go to ideas meetings and. What I always say is not to have any ideas before you walk into the ideas meeting Mm. and actually create them when you're in there. Because if you walk in with an idea, a bit like you're saying, you try and mould that to the thing that emerges. And it's always an ugly point at that. But if you walk in, it's quite a brave thing to do with nothing in your head and let it be created in that space. Often it's a better idea than having ideas in advance. Mm but it requires a bit of confidence to do it because the worry is you're going to walk in there with nothing and we're going to look at one another.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And is that
0: related to the the yes and idea?
2: Yes, it is. Yeah, absolutely, yes. So yes what, and what, is what, about what? accept and build is another way of saying yes and. So if I come on as a squirrel soldier and you come on and go, what are you doing, Derek? Why are you standing in the bath? What you've done is blocked my idea completely and made me look like a fool on stage because I was a squirrel soldier. Right. And you knew that, but it wasn't agreeing with your what you
0: wanted to happen. So you've just completely changed the reality that I've already set up. What you're talking about, is almost that like active listening. It's, it's listening to the person and building on what they're saying, not, yeah. not forcing your agenda onto the conversation.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Which brings us to, I think, this phrase I hadn't heard before, which is shelving.
2: Oh yeah, shelving.
0: What what (laughs) is shelving?
2: So shelving comes from... Ikea. It does, it's called Bibbo. No, it's uh, where you have an idea. So you're doing a scene and then someone else in the scene has a brilliant idea of where this scene could go. But if you put that idea in now, it's only going to derail the whole thing or it's not going to get the attention it deserves. So at that point, you need to shelve it. So literally, the image of I've taken my idea out of my head and I'm putting it up here on this shelf, so I can leave it there and I can take it later and put it in the show. Um, you've had it. You've probably had it where you've been having a conversation with someone and uh, and they say something and it reminds you of a brilliant story that you're going to tell and you're like, I must tell that story about the sausages. I must tell that story about the sausages. And the conversation goes on and on and then we move away from where yeah. the sausages is relevant you 100% should have either folded or shelved the sausage story because you never know something might come back round and sausages will be a problem. but then someone's starting talking about something their divorce and you go, go funny thing about sausages, sausages isn't it uh, 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 yeah
1: and, so yeah, as I'm part awful. of the shelving do you accept that you can shelve stuff and that that's it for that evening and maybe you won't get to tell your sausage anecdote at all yeah This is Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind. And in this episode, we're talking to Pippa Evans about the psychology of improvisation.
0: So we've spoken about being in the moment, the yes and the shelving. Marnie and I are excellent improvisers. Is there a game we can play?
1: I mean, I was just thinking both of you do performing. And so I I imagine you've both got kind of skeleton structures in your head of something that you can talk about talk around i don't really have that i use a
0: script i never improvise one moment
2: really nothing well i feel like let's get away from words to begin with if that's what makes you a little nervous of i'm not i don't do improvisations. So we'll start with a an improv game of sound ball so it's just making sounds okay so what's going to happen is maybe we'll play it's a three okay um is i'm going to throw you a sound and what you're going to do is you're going to repeat that sound and then you're going to send another sound back. And it can go to any one of us. Okay. So if I go ping, you're going to repeat that sound. Ping. And, uh, great. Uh, ming.
0: Ming. Patao.
1: Patao. <coughs> 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 nee. Nee. eh eh uh, Oh.
2: and now what I'm going to ask you to do (laughs) your listeners are like what is this podcast become both of you are going to ask to try and get rid of the, the thinking gap so so much of improvisation is about trusting your instinct and your intuition rather than thinking up a sound so it's not about thinking up the best sound the sound that comes out of your mouth is the right sound okay so uh, so what <laughs> happens is you te- so that's the idea is you the reason we repeat the sound is once to check we definitely heard it so right. excited for listening and i'm allowing what i heard to influence the thing that comes next rather than robot repeating what you've said while i think up my response it's again a tiny difference, but actually, if we allow the person to affect us, we don't have to do so much work. It's, it's much easier. So it's like intuit,
0: intu- intuition. 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 Yeah. Right.
2: Intuition rather than intellect.
0: Yes. Pow! Pow!
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Can't do it. <laughs> Ha! Ha! Ho.
0: Oh! Oh! <gasps> <gasps> oh God!
1: <laughs> and that's oh, where I... Richard died. a
0: <laughs> shame. It was what, I was saying. Saying. It
1: was what it is what he would have. Want... Oh!
0: <laughs> yeah. I know he swallowed something then. Oh! It is. It's powerful stuff, isn't it? This improv. <laughs>
2: very, very, very powerful. powerful. Let's do one more. Let's do a word game now. We're warmed up. Yeah. Okay, we're
0: warmed yes, up. Yes, I, I, I I'm away from sounds.
2: Okay, great. So you're going to go, let's just do a basic yes and, okay? So a basic yes and exercise. So you're going to start with a sentence. If you'd like to start with, let's build a house. You're going to say, let's build a house.
0: Let's build a house.
2: And if you reply yes and, you're going to add on to what was
0: just said. Let's build a house.
1: Yes, and we're definitely going to put that double glazing that you've had in.
0: And then you'll start yes and uh, yes and I want a house without a roof.
1: Yes, and I'm thinking we'd need to locate that somewhere that rains less than Edinburgh.
0: Yes, and they'll give a place for all the squirrels to live. Okay, so I'm just going to pause because what we
2: almost got there, there was a little bit of yes but
0: sneaking in there. Yes, there um, was.
2: was. So yes, but is what we're more comfortable with, which is where I'm saying I agree with you, but also I don't really. So I want a roof. I mean, he I was, want a house without a he roof.
1: Was it was a stupid suggestion.
2: It
0: wasn't a stupid suggestion. Why do you want
1: a house without a roof? You're going to get wet. In improv
2: there are no stupid ideas because yes. it's not a real house so so again often what happens is when we're doing improvisation if you have more of an analytical mind or um, particularly if I'm teaching in say a business kind of environment the people who have to do the Quite sort literal, of literal yeah. like the accountants and the programmers will really struggle when someone says I want a house without a roof because, they're, because they're like, they're like no, it's that doesn't not practical work. why they're would just, you do that yeah, like? yeah. and it's the same thing that happens in meetings where someone says here's my vision for the future of the company and people go well how was that? that's not gonna work is it We i can't do that derek's already put in 10 grand and i've said that and we've already booked that holiday so and so all the reasons why it can't happen come in when actually if we allow ideas to breathe for a bit longer we might find that that actually a house without a roof is brilliant oh, I, um, but I, we didn't we didn't have, have so. space to allow it to be brilliant.
0: Yes. It,
1: it may sorry also... for not allowing your brilliant, roofless house idea.
0: That's all right.
1: This face. As <gasps>
0: long as <is> it's clearly acknowledged.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the
2: point is that actually then now maybe you're not going to come back with another idea. Yes. So it's really important that that yes and attitude can be, we can say this is a meeting where we want to hear everything. I know some of these ideas are not going to work out, but we want to hear everything because the golden nugget might be here. Right. And so often what happens is we mock people because they come out with something a bit ludicrous. But actually, if their creativity is allowed to breathe a bit more, their ninth idea might be the one that's absolutely brilliant.
0: I There's a, a friend of mine used to run meetings, ideas meetings, and he would start off by telling the most awful jokes, kind of like pun based jokes. Yeah. And I, I said to him once, why do you do that? And he said because it gives permission to everyone in the room to say whatever they want. Right. Sounds good. The other thing that he said, he's very experienced in these things, said that as soon as you hear the phrase, I know this sounds like a daft idea, but he said, whatever follows that is normally the best idea ever. Mm. So, it's a really weird thing is is that what you've done is given permission. That they haven't buried that idea. You've given them permission yeah. in this group to say. I know this sounds really daft, but how about? Yeah. And he said, "That's always your best idea." And it's sometimes very different to what the group was talking about. But the important thing is you haven't buried the thing. Yeah. So it's interesting. Um. So can we get back to a couple of other of these? Uh, which I, I was fascinated by in the book. Um. Follow your obvious.
2: Well, I was just about to say that from what you just said. Oh, there we go. Um. Because the other sentence that often comes up in those meetings is, and this might sound a bit obvious, but yes.
0: Um.
2: And. Yes. Uh, actually what's obvious to you is not necessarily what's obvious to me so my obvious is not your obvious it's really important to say those obvious things out loud because that again might be a brilliant idea that seems so obvious to you but either no one else has thought of it or someone else is thinking of it and is also worried that it's too obvious to say
0: So thank you very much. A huge amount of takeaway there. We've looked at co-creation. We've looked at yes and. We've looked at shelving. we looked at the importance of finding the obvious. Uh, Your book, Improv Your Life, is wonderful. Uh, I know it's a busy Edinburgh for you, so thank you very much for spending some time with us. Pippa Evans. That was fun.
1: Yeah. I have questions for you, though.
0: Right. I have questions for you, oh,
1: God. <laughs>
0: which mainly centre around the ability to make noises and send them to other people.
1: Surprisingly difficult. It was surprisingly difficult.
0: Just, I mean, we, we made it sound easy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, I'm I'm frankly embarrassed. It was that, great. I mean, someone says, come up with any noise. Yes. and <laughs> I couldn't even do half the noises. I spent my,
0: most of my life doing that one, like that.
1: I thought... I'm gonna mix it up by breathing in rather than breathing out as yeah. I make the noise, and then you choked. That, that was... was
0: the other thing. Much as I'm now boasting and saying I did most of my life, I then spent uh, most of the episode coughing. <laughs> so it was good though. I quite enjoyed that. It
1: genuinely made me question my strategy for interacting with people because I do enjoy <laughs> making sarcastic comments, and it's yes. and it's not. I don't mean to be a constant Debbie Downer, but actually, maybe I should open up and try and do a little bit more yes and and see what creative ideas come out of people when I'm not taking the piss out of
0: them. I think, yes, that's one way of phrasing it uh, on a family podcast. <laughs> uh, so I, I I thought it was great, actually, because... Pippa was very good at really taking those ideas, the yes and the shelving, and really interpreting them and seeing how we use them in everyday life. And then it becomes quite obvious. You go, Oh my goodness, that's what we're doing all the time. And what I've done, I've dug out some research on yes, improv.
1: That's what I wanted to ask you about. Because I'm assuming that this is this is a gold mine for psychologists.
0: Well, a, a recent gold mine. Um, it's it's not one that's been mined except in the last few years. And it's great. So a lot of it's uh, carried out by Charles Lim early on doing uh, brain scanning studies and showing that bits of the brain have become very active when you engage in improv. So it's not so much the comedy improv. This was more uh, jazz musician improv
1: stuff. Wait, he put a jazz musician in a brain scanner?
0: That's right, with a trumpet.
1: Amazing. Yeah.
0: They're actually not allowed any metal in those things. Plastic A trumpet would be trumpet. lethal. A plastic trumpet. A kazoo. A kazoo. And, <laughs> and go. <either laughs> like, could you imagine?
1: I am already imagining. I'm enjoying quite a lot.
0: That's right. So it's the, he puts them in there, plastic kazoo. They go for 20 minutes improvising. So what they found was that the bits of the brain, as much as one can use that phrase, associated with creativity suddenly jump into action. So it's sort of what we knew all along, which is that improvising gives you a more expansive mindset. So there's some of that stuff. There's also some nice stuff on coherence which is the degree to which the two hemispheres in the brain are kind of working together and there's some tasks that get them to do that and improving is one of them what i was really interested in was actually social anxiety so it reduces social anxiety and pippa talks about this in the book a little bit
1: is this leaning into the thing that you're scared of that's right okay
0: and, and so you think, oh, my goodness, what I'm scared of is going into that conversation. I don't know what's going to happen. It could go anywhere. And improv says, All right, let's just take that and give you the skill set you need to cope with it. So it's counterintuitive in a sense. Um, there's been some nice work on that. And also associated with the social anxiety is that it decreases stress. And I think we saw that in the podcast with us because by, <laughs> by the end of but,
1: but after the Noise exercise where I was uh, hyperventilating and you were coughing your guts up. Yes. We were both very unstressed. We
0: were completely relaxed about the whole thing. <laughs> no, we had squirrels in there, squirrels and lemurs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that relaxed me. And allegedly that's never come up before. I, I think it comes up every single time.
1: You're so creative. Yes, either she's just flattering you or I, I, every you single are time. A crea- the creative original genius that we all suspected you to be. It's,
0: it's very kind um, and, and deeply sarcastic so thank you. <laughs> uh,
1: I, I was going to work yeah, on that. I know, that.
0: That's, what, that's what I was hearing earlier on. Uh, so there was, there was that. We had the silly noises, we had the make-up of the story and actually I, th- I thought it was quite fun so I can see how it would decrease stress. So yeah, so lots of research and showing that it is remarkably good for us. So People should get out there and try some of the techniques we've been talking about. Or we could end on a well known improv game, which is making up a story one word at a time. Why don't we try it? Okay. This is the end of Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind. From Podomo and Telltale, this has been Richard Wiseman's On Your Mind.
1: Hosted by Professor Richard Wiseman and Marnie Chesterton. Our producer is Kate White. The executive producers for Podomo are Jake Chudno and Matt White. And for Telltale are Rami Sabar and Jago Lee.
0: Make sure you follow us on Twitter at WisemanPod.
1: Where we'll be regularly asking you for questions for future episodes. You can also email us at wisemanpod at
0: podomo.com. And if you like this podcast, tell your friends, leave us a review. If you don't like it, tell your friends you did. Why should you be the only ones to suffer?
1: Although it does help others find us. And don't forget to subscribe. Thanks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.